I love wiffle ball. No other way to explain it. Just something about the game. The feel of the grass. Smacking the ball all over the field. Making plays. Diving head first, whatever it takes to get the job done. That's what wiffle ball means to me. Striking out grown men. Watching their knees buckle on a called third strike. Set out, bud. And then, of course, the home runs. The base hits. The big, big home runs at the big moments. That's a whiff of greatness. Join us all season long for the Joe Aguirre story of CMG Podcast. What's going on, Hoops fans? Uh, Posting Up Podcast is back for the first time since the All-Star break. We've had some NBA action going on this week, and it's been great so far. Uh, I have Sean, as always, with me today, but a guest filling in for Isaiah is Steve Risser. Steve, welcome. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. You're always always one of our favorite guests to have on the show. So Happy um, to hear that. I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> Sean, how are we doing today? You doing good? Yes, doing good. All right, sweet. So without uh, further ado, we'll get into our first topic of the day. Um, as I'm, I'm assuming both of you saw, Joel Embiid went down last night with a pretty scary-looking injury. Uh, thankfully, MRI showed no structural damage to any uh, ligaments or any other part of his knee, uh, just a, a, brome, a bone bruise, which, which is best-case scenario for the Sixers. They think he's going to miss about two weeks in. As we know, another dominant uh, big man in the NBA on a championship contender team is Anthony Davis, and um, is just coming out now that he he's also going to miss at least another two weeks. So him and Joel Embiid are kind of at that threshold where they're not exactly sure how much time these players are going to miss, but they know they're going to miss at least two weeks. So, Steve, I'll start with you. I wanted to know, Lakers or Sixers, which team's in more trouble if if one of these two guys misses more than two weeks? Oh, this is an easy one. It's definitely it's definitely the Sixers. Because if you look at their roster, the Lakers still have LeBron James. The Lakers still have the best player in the NBA. If you look at the Sixers, there's there's a major drop-off from Joel M- Joel Embiid to the next guy. Their second best player is arguably Ben Simmons or Tobias Harris. It probably is Ben Simmons because the way he plays on defense, but Ben Simmons is not a great scorer. So it definitely it definitely is the Sixers. And if you look at the Sixers schedule, uh uh um, at, when Embiid's out, they got, they got they got that big West Coast trip where they got to play the Warriors, they got to play the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets. They also got uh, a game with the Bucks too. So I think they're going to lose. The, they're going to lose that number one seed. I think that's pretty obvious. So that's good that, for the for the Sixers now. They're going to have to beat the Bucks 
and the Nets get to the NBA Finals. And that's going to be really, really difficult for a team that doesn't have a great uh, second score. Sean, what's your take on this whole situation? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think Steve has a good point, but um, I, I think it's actually the Lakers. Um, obviously, I understand your point with you know the Lakers still have LeBron James, obviously, but I think after that, I, I think it, it drops off a lot. Um, I think you know they needed Kyle Kuzma to have a monster game just to get by you know a struggling Pacers team last night, and I think the Sixers, obviously Joel Embiid losing thirty points per game is obviously you know huge for them, but I think you know guys like Tobias Harris and um you know, Shake Milton, Seth Curry. I think, you know, as a unit, as a squad, I, I think that they have the scoring, you know, to be able to contend with other teams. And uh, the West Coast trip will be tough coming up, but they also have the big men off the bench. I think that Dwight Howard, and we saw that Tony Bradley, and, uh, you know, when Joel Embiid was out with, you know, the uh, the health and protocol safety, uh, we saw that he stepped up in a big game. So I think that the guy, they have the guys to do it. Uh, I think that the Sixers are a much deeper team than they get credit for. And after LeBron, if you look at the Lakers, I mean, they I really don't think that they have really any scoring. I mean, Dennis Schroeder was just coming back, so we'll, we'll see what he can do. They were uh, obviously struggling struggling without AD and Schroeder, and they started to get a little bit better. But I just think that LeBron needs to carry the team every single night, um, and they need other guys to step up. And I just don't know if they, they have that. So I think the Sixers, they they have the depth to do it. Obviously, you know, losing Joel Embiid is a, it's a huge factor. But I just think that uh, you can't replace uh, – I think the Lakers rely so heavily – on um, the star power of their of their team, so I, I just I think LeBron needs his running mate back. You know, if, if they want to stay within those top four seeds in the West, because there's other teams you know coming up in the hunt. So I, I think that obviously both teams need them back, but I, I think that the Lakers will struggle a little bit more uh, without Dean. I think we've seen that so far. They're they're four and six in their past ten games. Yeah, no. Uh, one thing that kind of gives me hope, Sean, you brought this up with the depth for the Sixers is is. Um, Dwight Howard and and how he's kind of stepped up when he's needed to step up for the Sixers team and and even with the Lakers last year, he um he stepped up and I'm I'm trying to find right now Dwight Howard um stats when Joel Embiid is out but I can't exactly find that but I, I know he's had some pretty good games when Joel Embiid has missed time he he he's and obviously not not the player he, he was before um but. He, he can still grab rebounds. He's still a pretty decent defender. He uh, he he can still fly. I mean, he, he was in the dunk contest only just last year. So I think Dwight Howard, uh, he brings a lot. And like Tony Bradley, you said uh, he's kind of an underrated underrated player. I think he scored 14 or 16 points last night for us. And uh, he's he's pretty tall too coming over from Utah this past previous season. And and like I agree with you, Sean, you know, I – you can say it's bias all you want towards the 76ers, but I, I, I do think the Lakers depth is a, is an actual issue because without Anthony Davis in there, that's you're losing 25 to 28 points a game easily. And that's not hard to, or that's not easy to regain. I think the Sixers, I think the Sixers have a deeper starting lineup and a deeper bench than the Lakers. It's just a matter of, of figuring out how to use that bench correctly. Um, but- but but say uh, but say they're back for the playoffs. It doesn't really matter what seed the Lakers get. They're they're the best team in the West. I don't care. I don't care what seed they are. Even if AD misses the entire the rest of the season and they they get like the five or six seed, they still are the best team in the West. The thing with the Sixers is, say Embiid misses a lot of times time, and they're like the you know three or the or the four seed. They're in big trouble because they're, 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 arguably they're the third best team in the Eastern Conference. The Nets are definitely better than the Sixers. The Bucks are arguably better than the Sixers. So I it really I mean yeah. 
if, say say uh, if AD's back for the playoffs, uh, it's not going to matter if the let's we'll see the Lakers are. But but say that six say uh, uh, MB misses time and the Sixers go from the one seed to the four seed, that's that's really going to matter. No, yeah, I, I definitely didn't even consider that when thinking about it. But you're you're 100 right. I think the seeding here, sitting at the top, has done the Sixers wonders, and and losing that position really, I, I think, is going to hurt them. Now that now that I process that in my head, but um, that's kind of scary to think about now. That I don't want to be thinking about that. But um, yeah, I, I think I think the Lakers, um, like I said, they're not as deep as the Sixers, but uh, ultimately, I don't think that'll matter once they get Anthony Davis back. I think. Like Steve said, even if he misses the remainder of the season, he could still come back and be an impact player in the playoffs, and the Lakers will will coast through the Western Conference and get to the finals again. Um, so with that being said, we'll get to our first game break of the day, and uh, but first we'll get an ad from Clovercrest. Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys to the city. I crossed up by Kobe, well, floated Shaq, and then Shaq goes like this, and the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on, stun. But I didn't make my point. I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clover Quest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. All right, so getting into our first game break of the day here, actually our only game break of the day today, uh, we're going to be talking about, we always talk about uh, games we're looking forward to coming up on this NBA schedule between today and our next show on Tuesday at 5. So, Sean, I started with Steve last time. I'll start with you this time. What game are you looking forward to this upcoming weekend? Uh, yeah, it's going to be a game tonight at uh, 10 o'clock between the Mavs and the Nuggets. Um, obviously, you know, two teams that haven't met the expectations, I, I think, for a lot of people. I think a lot of people expected them to be in that top, you know, four to six seeds. Um, the Nuggets are there, but they, they had a slow start to the season. And then obviously the Mavs had a slow start. But I think they're both starting to pick it up. Um, I know Luca and uh Porzingis didn't play the other night. Uh, one of them had an ankle injury. One of them had a knee injury. So hopefully they're back for this one. Um, obviously, you want to see the the star power out there. But uh, I think it's going to be a good Western Conference matchup. Uh, obviously, these teams, two teams could score a lot of points. So I think it will be a lot of points on the board. And uh, so I, I think it will be an offensive frenzy out there. And uh, I'm just looking forward to it tonight. Uh, what's your game you're looking forward to, Steve? I'm looking forward to the Pel- the game after Selection Sunday, tomorrow night, the Pelicans and the Clippers. I think that's going to be a really good game. I think, yeah, the Pelicans are not good defensively, but they're fun to watch on offense with with Zion with and with uh, Brandon Ingram. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that, and I'm obviously looking forward to watching Kawhi and Paul. And Paul. I don't know if – I'm not sure if Kawhi's playing or not, but I'm, if he is, I'm looking forward to Kawhi and Paul George go up against Zion. I'm really looking forward to that game. Yeah, so uh, this, this game necessarily won't catch a lot of people's eye, especially with the Sixers injury. That just happened last night, but uh, it, it matters to this show. It's Monday night, I believe. It's Monday night. Let me double check that. It is Tuesday night. Sixers Knicks. Sixers Knicks. <laughs> I want to see Zay cry. I'm just kidding, but I, I do want to have that kind of bragging. I, 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 I think the Knicks got a chance in that game because I hey, I'm I, no. I like I like the fact the Knicks play the Sixers twice without Embiid. Yeah, you know what they do? They do have a chance. Uh, Julius Randle, I think, is going to have a field day down in the paint. We see him these days kind of uh, extending his game to the three-point line in mid-range, but I think uh, defensive-wise, unless Tony Bradley or Dwight Howard could step up, Julius Randle could have a, have a field day with us. 
but uh, we'll see. We'll see how that works out. I think Ben Simmons uh, obviously needs to step up. Like Steve said, he's not an elite scorer, but we've seen flashes uh, like against the Jazz. Ben Simmons had 40 points, and I don't believe Embiid was playing in that game. I could be wrong, but um, Ben Simmons has has scored up in the 30s, and one time he got to 40. So It just takes uh, him so many shots to get to 30 <laughs> points. That's the problem. Yeah, because they're coming from inside the paint. So that we'll see what what can what can happen there and on um, one main reason I'm looking forward to that game is just to have bragging rights against Isaiah. I think that would that would be really fun uh and especially since I, I think that game actually is gonna happen after our show. yeah, it's eight pm on Tuesday and we'll we'll do our show at five so I won't get to brag to him about that until later that night, but I can send him a text and rub it in his face anyways. <laughs> but hey, knock on wood. I don't want to jinx uh jinx my Sixers losing to the Knicks, so so we'll get on with that. Um so with that being said, we'll take this right into our second topic. Uh there's a lot of players, a few players I want to talk about. Um the three being PJ Tucker, Lamarcus Aldridge, and Andre Drummond. Three players who I believe can still have an impact on a contending team. Um they're all currently not playing right now. They have worked out um, well, two of the, I'd say LaMarcus Aldridge and Andre Drummond have respectively <laughs> worked out deals with their teams to sit out until they can find a, a either a buyout option or a trade option for them. PJ Tucker, I guess, is a little PO'd at the, at the Rockets. You know, they've lost 15 straight games, and I think PJ Tucker is just very upset he hasn't been traded yet. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll go through each of these guys. I'll go around the circle a few times here. Sean, we'll start with PJ Tucker. Where do you think PJ Tucker could have an impact uh, for a contender? Um, I I think a team like the Lakers actually would make sense. Um, I know that they had some interest in him, but um, I, I think that you know he gives you versatility on both sides of the floor. Uh, I think that he's a good three point shooter, especially from the corner spot. He's one of the best corner three point shooters in the league. And then on defense, he, he has the ability to guard you know guards all the way through centers. Um, we saw that one in the small ball era for Houston last year. That you know he was the five for them most of the time, but he's able you know with his big body to uh, stay with, uh, you know, centers and power forwards down in the paint. And he's a really tough defender. And he also has the versatility to, you know, go up to the, the top of the post and guard uh, guard guards like that because he has the shiftiness to do that. So I think his versatility uh, will be huge for a team. He also, you know, attacks the glass and, and gets a bunch of rebounds. So I think, you know, what he does defensive, defensively and offensively could definitely help out a contender like the Lakers who, you know, uh, especially if AD is going to miss extended time. Montrez Harrell is really the only, you know, big man that contributes. So I think that P.J. Tucker can definitely step in and, uh, you know, also give you some offense with this three-point shot. So, uh, yeah, what team do you think uh, would fit in for, with him, uh, Steve? I'm not a big P.J. Tucker guy. I don't think he can't score. He's only averaging four points a game. But if I had to pick a team, I'd probably say the Nuggets. Maybe, you know, improve improve them defensively, improve that team defensively. Obviously, they got scores like Jamal Murray and Jokic, but they, I think they need to improve a little bit defensively. So I'd like, I'd like to see P.J. Tucker go there. You know, if that team can improve a little bit defensively, maybe they could, you know, be, be, in, that, be in that conversation with the Jazz, the Clippers, and the Lakers. Yeah, I think PJ Tucker, you know, I'm kind of the same. He he obviously I don't think will have a big impact offensively, but I think he can be more of a situational player for a team. Uh someone who can come in and play some tough gritty defense when they need it and you know, maybe maybe if they need to run a play where a corner 3 needs to be shot like Sean said, he's one of the best three corner three-point shooters in the league. So, I think and and another thing about PJ Tucker is he's a he's a veteran. He's you know, he's he's been in the playoffs. He's he's done things. He has, obviously hasn't won a championship, but he's played with stars before such as James Harden, Chris Paul, um 
uh, who's Russell Westbrook? I can never remember his damn name. Um, but I, I think he can be kind of that uh, veteran in, uh, influence in the locker room. Uh, but I, I could see maybe him going to a team. Oh, boy. I, I don't want him to come to Philly. I don't think that's a good fit. I, I think if the Celtics can't get a big man, I think maybe that's the next best thing for them is a P.J. Tucker. But I'd like to see them get a, 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 an actual center. Um Maybe I can see him going to the Clippers, maybe coming off their bench. Uh, or, the, the like Sean said, the Lakers uh, would be a good fit as well. So I think that those are three locations I could see P.J. Tucker going to. Um, next, we'll get into one of the more interesting ones for me is LaMarcus Aldridge. I didn't see this coming, but uh, it's happened uh, that he's looking for a new place. Uh, Greg Popovich came out a few days ago and said they're just going to mutually look for a, a new opportunity for him. And, you know, Pop is one of the – most highly respected coaches in the NBA. So he's always looking to help people out. I doubt this was a, a sour exit, if anything like that. So we'll go in reverse this time. Steve, where do you see uh, LaMarcus Aldridge having a big impact? Uh, this is this is a tough one. I'm, this is one i got to think about a little bit. Uh, let me think. Uh I'll probably go. I'll probably go to your Sixers I and mean, maybe just give him another, maybe maybe another interior score there. Obviously, especially with 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 Embiid out, you know, yeah. maybe you need maybe you need a, for a little while. Maybe you need another interior score there. Obviously, we, with we got Simmons, you got Harris. Harris, obviously, you could have you 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 could eventually, you know, maybe move Tobias Harris to the, to, to the three. Yeah. Have a have a you know Embiid play the five, and obviously have Simmons at point guard, Curry at shooting guard. So uh, yeah, I, th- I think I think I think the Sixers. I would say that that's a good, that's a place where Lamarcus Aldridge could contribute. Sean, you got anywhere you think uh, LaMarcus Aldridge would fit in well? Yeah, um, I'm actually going to go with the Celtics. Obviously, we've talked a lot on this show about how they need a big man. Um, and I think it would – obviously, it would add to uh, – offensively, it would add a lot. Um, I think that, you know, he's a really good post scorer, uh, especially that mid-range shot. It's It's been – he's been one of the best at it in the league for a long time. So – and, I mean, if you look at their starting lineup right now, they – Brad Steven likes to start two big men out there with, you know, Tristan Thompson and Daniel Tice. That's who he's been starting uh, recently. So, I think he, you can move LaMarcus Eldridge right into that starting lineup and they could benefit a lot. I think that – he has that offensive punch um and especially i think that i i just think that you know they're going to start to give more time to robert williams we've seen that a little bit uh more so i think that he can mentor a young young guy like that um so i just think that he adds a lot more offensive punch than tristan thompson and daniel tice are giving you so i I think that he could definitely contribute in boston uh what team do you think you're fitting with though (laughs) well this is somewhere I've, i've wanted lamarcus aldridge to go for a very long time and i i think it would make perfect sense i think they can shift some things around. They could put their four at the three. Uh, their three isn't really doing uh, doing them any justice right now. And uh, I'd like to see LaMarcus Aldridge starting at power forward for uh, the Trailblazers, where it all started. Um, I, th- I think that that's a good fit. I think you know the fans want him back. I know he said in the past that he, he would love to return to Portland. And, I mean, what, what a better time than now. I mean, they're, they're trying to make a playoff push, uh, obviously, they haven't been living up to expectations uh, from from all the way to last season to this season. So I, I'd like to see LaMarcus Aldridge there. I, I like to see guys return back to where it started. So it might just be a, a fan thing for me. But I also think, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge could have an impact for the Trailblazers. I think him and Damian Lillard obviously um, have some unfinished business to take care of in Portland. So I'd like to see that for, for LaMarcus Aldridge. And one last player. Uh, one obvious location for me for this player. Uh, we'll see who else uh, 
Well, if anyone else says it, maybe I'll try to think of something else. But Sean, we'll start with you. Andre Drummond, one of the most dominant rebounders, defensive players in the league. Where do you want to see Andre Drummond go? I think an interesting spot would be the Brooklyn Nets. Um, obviously, I, I, it would just be more star power for them. They just I obviously just got Blake Griffin. We'll see how he does. He still hasn't played with them yet, but I think that you know he he obviously be an upgrade from DeAndre Jordan. Not that DeAndre Jordan's a bad player necessarily, but Andre Drummond is. He might be the best rebounder in the whole league uh, right now. Maybe you know Clint Capella is definitely up there too. But I think that he just dominates the the boards, and um, you know he also gives you a little bit defensively. Uh, and especially, you know, offensively too. He, he's not a great scorer, but I mean, he can score in the post. So I, I think that rebounding ability will definitely help the, the team like the Nets, who you know usually go a little bit smaller, obviously with their their tremendous guards. Uh, I think if you put that big, big man in there that can hold down the post, uh, I think that will be huge for them. And then bringing a good veteran like DeAndre Jordan off the bench, and then you have, you have two big men right there, and then also Nicholas Claxton, who's who's been stepping up uh, lately. But I think that if you add Andre Drummond to that mix right now, that's it. Just makes it. Uh, it makes a scary team even more scarier. Uh, so I think that that would be a pretty good fit. But uh, what do you what do you think, Steve? I'm going with the obvious one. I'm going with the Celtics. I mean, the Celtics need a center. I mean, this would be a perfect fit. I mean, put put him with with uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker. This would be this would be the move that would get the Celtics close to the, those top three teams in the East, close to the Sixers, close to, close to the Nets, and and, and uh, close to the Bucks. That that would be the move that I think that the Celtics need to make because the issue with the Celtics is. They don't have any size, and I think that if, if they could if they could trade for Andre Drummond, that would be a big pickup. You know, I, I think one team. You know, I was going to say the Celtics, and that's why I said it was an obvious choice. But a sleeper team I could see wanting Andre Drummond is the Los Angeles Clippers. I, I think he'd be a good fit there. I think you know Serge Ibaka starting at center for them, and and Nick Batum's at power forward. I think you could easily move Ibaka to the four and slide Drummond in there, and I think. Right there with Abaka and um, Abaka and Drummond, you have one of the most dominant uh, front court uh, defensive pairs in the league. Obviously, <clears throat> excuse me. Obviously, Serge Abaka isn't not what he used to be defensively, but he can still block some shots and grab some rebounds. And you know, Serge Abaka has developed his game on the offensive end, uh, so he can help stretch the floor still, which is what he does now in Los Angeles. But I think that um, a good move for for Andre Drummond. If not the Celtics, you know who knows in Danny Ainge's head why he wouldn't be trying to trade for 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 Andre Drummond. But let's say he doesn't go to the um the Celtics. I'd like to see Andre Drummond in in, in L.A. Uh, kind of battling with Anthony Davis in that battle of L.A. I think that would actually help the Clippers out a lot. So um, right there, we'll take that to our. Uh, we won't do a second game break today. We're gonna take it right to the final topic. But before that. We are going to have another game break uh, from Clovercrest. Another ad. Looking for a casual baseball podcast to listen to? Well, Baseball with the Bard, presented by Clovercrest Media, has just what you're looking for. Tyler Bard and Noah Cross cover a wide range of happenings in the MLB and then dive into a deep focus on the Red Sox and Yankees. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for your weekly dose of Baseball with the Bard. All right. This is exciting. This is my absolute favorite time of the year no doubt over the nba playoffs everything like that it's march madness selection sunday is this upcoming sunday the tournament starts next week i can't wait uh so we're gonna get into some march madness talk here uh basically i want to know you guys 
who your favorite college basketball player of all time is. And there are some obvious choices. We uh, we are fortunate enough to be fans of a team uh, in UConn that has won four national championships since 1999. Uh, a lot of people can't say that, and I, I believe we've all been around since then to witness most of those. I've, yes, I've witnessed, I've, witnessed, I've witnessed all of them. So, so yeah. we ha- are going to have a lot to talk about here, but Steve, why don't we start with you? You seem excited to talk about this. So who's your favorite college basketball player of all time? I'm going to go with Emeka Okafor. I think he was just outstanding. I mean, you could not, you could not get a shot off against Emeka Okafor. He was going to block it. He was, he was the, one of the best defensive uh, big men in uh, that, uh, probably the best defensive big men in, in college basketball that I ever saw. I mean, he was just outstanding for UConn. We remember that 2000, the, their second national championship team, that 2003, 2004 team, you know, him and Ben Gordon, you know, and Talik Brown, you know, uh, you know, they, they were the number one seed. Uh, they, they, they pretty much cruised to the final four. They beat Duke uh, in that big game when, when Duke had JJ Raddick uh, and they came back, they were down six with like four minutes to go. They came back, they beat Duke. I mean, it's as, as ironic. They, they beat Duke to win their first national title in 99, but they, they beat Duke in the semi. Then they beat Georgia Tech. Uh, to win the national championship, so it definitely was a Mecca Okafor. The guy was just the guy was just phenomenal. I know he wasn't a great NBA player, but he's probably he's without question a top five UConn player of all time. Sean, who you got? Who you, who'd you love to watch back in the day, college basketball? Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't have a favorite NBA team, but my favorite basketball team is definitely UConn men's basketball. Um, I've always, I've obviously, you know, growing up in Connecticut, been a huge fan of them. So uh, my my favorite player is definitely going to be a Husky, and it, uh, it's Shabazz Napier for me. Um, part of you know two national championship teams, 2011 and 2014. Uh, didn't have as big as a role in 2011, but obviously, you know, he was alongside with, with uh, Kemba and Jeremy Lamb on that great run. And then 2014, he he takes over as the leader of that team, and just so many clutch shots over his career. Obviously, in that national championship. The second national championship year he's, he has the big shot against florida uh to win that game that i remember watching on espn and then you know oh, that was he, great yeah that was yeah, great. That, that, yeah yeah that was awesome and then earlier in his career i think when he was a sophomore you know big shot to beat villanova almost pulling up from half court so just such a clutch player such a good leader and um people forget uh, you know they uconn had the postseason ban in 2013 and players like uh roscoe smith and alex oriaki uh decided to transfer but you know shabazz napier decided to stick it out uh, with you know fellow seniors Niels Gafai and Tyler Olander, and it and it paid off because they they stuck it out. They knew that they were going to have the postseason ban in 2013, but then you know they come back in 2014. They ended up winning the tournament. So uh, just for you know his toughness, uh, his leadership, all those great shots, uh, just a tremendous player, and uh, definitely my favorite. You know, watching growing up in college basketball. But uh, who would, who would be your favorite, Lucas? Yeah, I mean. Would we really be talking about UConn basketball if we didn't bring up Kemba Walker? Exactly, I mean, exactly. <laughs> I mean, exactly. come on. Just last week was the uh, 10-year anniversary of that dirty step back in the quarterfinals versus uh, number one Pitt. Uh, and that, you know, every time I watch that clip, it just takes me back to the numerous times I tried to recreate it in my backyard. And I mean, geez, and it helps so much that the guy is is an absolute baller in the NBA. I mean, he's been a he's been a great NBA player. He's the Charlotte Hornets all time leading scorer, uh, and the list goes on for basketball accomplishments for Kemba Walker. He obviously his jersey is retired at UConn. He's in the Ring of Honor. Uh, he obviously goes back there, you know, from time to time and does some does some events there. So Kemba Walker is just overall a great guy. He. He really exemplified uh, what Jim Calhoun wanted, wanted the, you know, UConn, UConn spirit and UConn, you know, mentality to be. So Kemba Walker, he won, he won a national championship with us. Uh, 
unfortunately. <laughs> right. Jay, yeah, we're watching the step back in history class in eighth grade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you, you you always remember where you were when you were watching that shot. Like Jace has a very specific memory of it. So Kemba Walker is my all time, not only Husky, but favorite college basketball player ever. And, you know, best of luck to the Yukon Huskies this season. They're going to be in March Madness. We don't know if they're going to be a seed. I think they're uh, what seed they're going to be. Seven or eight seed, I think. It's I think, tough yeah. because of James Boaknight because their record with James Boaknight and without Jake, James Boaknight is completely different. They're 500 mm-hmm. with James. They're 500 without him, and they are like, and they have three losses with him. So yeah, I think it's the six, seven, or eight is, is my prediction. Yeah, I think they're going to be floating around maybe the, the seven, eight, nine range. Uh, six would be great because I think they actually can play like a six seed. But, hey, you know that mm-hmm. one – the one year with Shabazz, we got ranked the seven and we went all the way. So you never know. Uh, it'd be a different tournament this year, though, guys. No Duke or Kentucky for the first time in over 45 Yeah, and years. I think a big thing with the one and done this year, you just didn't have the practice time. And those teams just couldn't, weren't able to come together. And yeah, But you did see, unfortunately, Duke had that COVID case. But you saw before before that how Duke was starting to come together a little bit in the ACC tournament. But yeah, and I just think with, with, the, with the restrictions this year, it really hurt teams like Duke and Kentucky that rely on the one and done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Um, so that should be fun to look out for. Uh, I know I'm going to be hosting a big bracket challenge. I know Steve's in on that. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, something about, on it. Yep. I'm not sure about Sean yet, but hey, right. I'm going yeah. to encourage you. So um, we'll see you guys on Tuesday. Maybe we'll talk a little March Madness after the um, selection show come Sunday. But we will be back Tuesday at 5. And uh, for Sean Scanlon and Steve Risser and Big Jace doing the producing behind the scenes, this has been the Posting Up Podcast.